0: The Janice Daniels Show. Janice Daniels
1: Show. Repeat after me America is a republic, and there's nothing democratic about the Democrat Party. Let's get our words right, people. She's tough. What part of Shall Not Infringe don't you legislators understand? Read the Constitution, read the Bill of Rights, read the stupid so called laws that you guys sign your names to. Your focus is shameful. She's smart. And besides, what have you legislators done that gives you power over us? Trick the people into electing you? Swearing an oath that you don't seem to understand or follow? She's tenacious. I say bring the Electoral College to the county level for all national elections so Michigan isn't governed by sanctuary jurisdictions like Wayne and Washtenaw counties. She's sassy. Michigan has a big problem. We have too many people who exhibit seditious behavior in elected office, and that needs to change. I'm hoping against hope we can change the change. Let's talk about some of this stuff on the Janice Daniels show. This could be fun.
0: And now, your host, Janice Daniels.
1: The thought occurred to me just last evening that the American government from top to bottom inside and out might simply be sock puppets for the global media conglomerate that is attempting to run this country. Now, President Trump and his inner circle are excluded. God bless you, President Trump. And, you know, these young men and women who were watching destroy our cities today are the civilian army that being groomed to be more powerful than the actual military. We all heard about that before. We were told this was going to happen. Now, I believe that we're about 100 years behind the eight ball, but that doesn't mean we cannot get our country back. We just have to, have to properly educate the American people, one person at a time, one website at a time, one Facebook or Twitter post at a time, or millions of all of those things at a time. Now, there's an interesting blog post on the American Thinker that uh, speaks to just this situation. Uh, It's called Obama's Civilian Army. It was the students all along. Take your children out of government-run schools. Now, this uh, article Obama's civilian army. It was the students all along. It was written by a man named Alan Bergstein. It was March of two thousand eighteen, and, and and he wrote this article after the students that protested the uh, Parkland shootings took place, and then afterwards the students tried desperately to take care of take to, to get rid of our Second Amendment, that is our set in stone right to keep and bear arms. Take a look at that article and never, ever give up your guns. Now, uh, if you can't write down the information that I'm going to share with you today, you can always go back to anchor.fm. This episode of the Janice Daniels Show will be posted probably within the next 24 hours or so. And it'll also be posted to Facebook. So you can um, go back and listen to this and any other episode of the Janice Daniels Show. Uh, Now, we're about two weeks away from the actual beginning of summer And we all know about the glory of living in Michigan in the summer. Spring and fall are great seasons, too. We just have to get through winter. Uh, Some of us get through it by um, bundling up. Uh, Others of us buy condos in Florida. That's not a bad idea. That's for sure. But um, that means that we're still in the spring. And I would contend that what we're witnessing on the streets across America today could be called the American Spring Spring. Kind of like the Arab Spring of the previous decade of the 21st century, where the globalists destabilized countries across the Middle East. And then the globalists instilled new leadership in those countries, such as Libya, where the U.S. State Department website says, and I quote, the United States is working with the national government municipal councils, entrepreneurs, and a range of civil society groups. Remember that phrase, civil society groups, including those representing women and marginalized communities in their effort to improve Libyan lives. Gosh, isn't that nice? Our State Department is um, attempting to improve Libyans' lives, and they're using taxpayer money to do this. Um, George Bush used to call this nation-building. Now the updated globalists are calling it pro-democracy spontaneous uprisings. You know, that would be George Bush's buddy Hillary Clinton's name for nation-building. Have to try to keep our words up to date. So George Bush calls it nation-building. Hillary Clinton calls it pro-democracy spontaneous uprisings, and I call it worldwide destabilization. So there's another article that I happened to look at look at this week. It was posted on November 12, 2014 at the BBC News website. That's bbc.com. And it says Libya has been ruined by the continuous chaos which followed the revolution against Gaddafi. Remember, Ms. Hillary said it was all to improve Libyan lives. Now I know that's 2014. That's old news. Let's get with it. Well, I found another in. Interesting analysis called what's behind nine years of turmoil in Libya. This was written by a man named Samar L. Atrush. It was posted originally on December 12, 2019. And then it was updated on May 29th, 2020. That's eight days ago, eight days ago. This article was posted at the Bloomberg.com website. Now Bloomberg isn't exactly a name that generates any great comfort in my Christian conservative constitutionalist soul. In fact, the name Bloomberg actually makes me still believe that everything is a rich man's trick. Now, again, this article that I'm referring to that's posted at Bloomberg.com is called What's Behind Nine Years of Turmoil in Libya? And it begins with these observations, and I quote, Since the 2011 NATO-backed revolt in Libya that ended 42 years of rule by strongman Muammar Gaddafi, the oil-rich North African country has been in perpetual Turmoil. Yeah, that's right. Perpetual turmoil. It goes on to say the latest phase began in April of 2019 when military commander Khalifa Haftar and his forces marched on the capital, Tripoli, determined to unseat the internationally backed government located there. So now it also goes on to say that initially Russia kept contacts with both sides. Now, does that ring a bell, contact with both sides? Everything is a rich man's trick, where they actually do play both sides to destabilize the people into warring groups of black versus white, rich versus poor, young versus old. They will use any form of divisiveness that they can dream up to create the instability that can be used then to control the people. So back to the article, it says, Russia kept contacts with both sides while promoting Gaddafi's son Saif as a future president. By September, however, Russia shifted to flat-out support for Haftar, that military commander, despite its misgivings about a figure who had connections with the CIA during a 20-year stay in the U.S. Isn't that interesting? Talk about Russian collusion. Uh, The article goes on to say that Libya sits on top of Africa's largest oil reserves, and until January, output had stabilized at more than a million barrels a day, still well below the 1.6 million barrels a day produced prior to the 2011 uprising that was considered to be part of the Arab Spring. Well, here we are in June of the year 2020, and I say welcome to the American Spring, Now, there was another article that I happened to spot on bbc.com that was posted in October of 2019. Now, October of 2019, wow, that was the month and year that the Johns Hopkins University and Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation conducted event 201. We talked about that before. That was the dry run pandemic exercise that preceded the real life pandemic exercise called COVID-19 by only two months. And unfortunately, the American populace has proven itself to be compliant and complicit in this unconstitutional power grab. But it's all a rich man's trick. So there's another article that I saw posted by Jeremy Bowen, who's BBC's Middle East editor called, Is a New Arab Spring Unfolding in the Middle East?, it says, the uprisings of 2011 did not bring the freedom longed for by the people who demonstrated against tyrannical leaders. Those people who demonstrated against the tyrannical leaders might be called those useful idiots. I don't mean to disparage anyone, but I don't like being used. I don't like people being used to harm them, their own selves or their form of government. So it goes on to say the consequences of the upheaval are still being felt, and among those are wars in Syria, Yemen, and Libya, and a much tougher police state in Egypt. Goes on to say the grievances which fueled the 2011 uprisings are still there, in some cases deepened, and the failure of corrupt systems to accommodate the needs of a large and young population guarantees that the anger and frustration behind the demonstrations will not go away. Again, the Arab Spring of 2011 that brought riots to the streets of Tunisia, Egypt, and Bahrain that I think sort of mirrors the Arab Spring of 2020 with riots in our street, also brought outright civil war to Libya, Syria, and Yemen, according to a history.com website that or article that I, that I read. So truly, truly, I'm praying and hoping and pleading that civil war does not come to America, but only we the people can prevent that with coordinated efforts. We have to take control of the levers of power and we have to restore our American Republic using our fabulous founding documents. And maybe we should use the tools of the globalists, the internet. Of course now, before we can actually fix things, we have to know who our enemies are and and in what capacity and what tools are they using to destabilize America. Of course, one of the tools that the globalists against America are using are those useful street thug idiots that have wrongly named themselves Antifa, which is supposed to be anti-fascist, but we know that they are totally fascist in their behaviors. So I'd like to rename them just Fa, you know, like take the anti right out of their name, call them Fa, and I say Fa you Fa. You rioters need to understand that the globalist leadership doesn't give a hoot about your lives, our lives, no matter what our color. And it's not that I want to focus on these street thugs. I'd rather talk about what might be called the intelligentsia of the movement. And that's not even the leadership, which I'll identify as George Soros, Bill and Melinda Gates, Bill and Hillary Clinton, Barack and Michelle Obama. Those are just a, just a few of the leadership crowd. Now, I don't even think that Joe Biden is in any one of those three groups. He's certainly not a useful street thug idiot, and he's certainly not part of the intelligentsia, and he isn't exactly in the leadership circle. But he's the perfect person to continue the transformation from independent sovereign nations to what the globalists are calling leadership by the Internet, Leadership by the Internet. Now, does the name Alec Roshniewski, Roshniewski, ring a bell? No, probably not. This is a family, I I guess, originally from Kiev, Ukraine. They've Americanized their name and changed it to Ross. So Alec Ross, does that name, name ring a bell? Now, if you've done your due diligence and have watched, studied, and researched the background information provided by Glenn Beck in his series called The Democrats' Hydra, you might know something about Alec Ross and Civil Society 2.0. And then you might understand why I think this is such an important topic for discussion. Another recommendation of mine, turn off your TVs. Cancel your cable subscription. Do not let them destroy your inner strength. Do not let them pervert your view of reality. You should listen to the Janice Daniels Show. You should listen to Wham Talk 1600. Buy a subscription to Blaze TV. Join an organization like the Guardians of the Constitution or Michigan Conservative Union. Advertise on Wham. Support the advertisers on Wham. Buy product from them. There's a on the Wham Radio website website. Lamradio.com. There's an entire list of advertisers that support this station. It's important that we work together to support the causes that we know are on the side of good. Now back to Alec Ross. He's got a website, alecross.com, and he calls himself a best-selling author and entrepreneur working at the the intersection of geopolitics, markets, and technology. He also mentions that he's a board partner at Amplo. That's a global venture capital firm. Now, this global venture capital firm named Amplo also has another board partner, Susan Rice. She added that role to her resume last year. So now, Susan Rice and Alec Ross are both board partners at Amplo. These people really get around, but they're the same people. They make it sound like there's millions of them, but there aren't. It's a cabal. And we need to identify them. Now, you you remember Susan Rice. Of course, she was Hussein Obama's national security advisor and one of his ambassadors to the UN. Well, she's been in the news lately. On May 15th, she said that she would definitely say yes if Uncle Joe Biden asked her to be his running mate. Can you contemplate that? I would suggest you shouldn't even bother because there's nothing we can do about the globalists against America's choice for Biden's running mate. Now, I wouldn't be at all surprised if it does turn out to be Susan Rice. But, of course, she has a little bit of baggage that she's going to have to contend with. Of course, the media will cover for her, but there's an article published at thefederalist.com. It was posted just the other day, April 29th, 2020, and it's entitled, Christopher Steele testifies that Hillary Clinton and Susan Rice knew about the anti-Trump research. Now, that's more commonly known the Steele dossier. And that not only led to the fake Russian collusion hoax, but it also set the stage for what I call the perversion of the midterm elections of 2018 that, in my humble opinion, again, I'll say they should be decertified in their entirety because that was an election that installed countless enemies of the United States into power positions across this country, including the sanctuary jurisdiction enabling election of our own disgraceful so-called governor, Gretchen Whitmer who should be impeached by our feckless, cowardly Republican House majority. But, of course, the globalist media wouldn't allow that. And they'd use the leadership of the Internet to destroy any Republican who values principle over power. Similar to how they're destroying our military strength right before our very eyes. Now, I think President Trump and his inner circle need our support now more than ever And and the Republicans who claim to love God and love the American founding documents and love the American people need to start helping us at whatever cost, at whatever personal price they have to pay. Use that income that we are giving you month after month after month, anywhere from $6,000 to $10,000 a month are going into each and every elected official's coffers at our, our expense. Use some of that money to create blogs, to get on the bully pulpit, to use the the, the television, the internet, Facebook, however you can, help us fight this enemy of America. Now that article, uh, Christopher Steele testifies, Hillary Clinton, Susan Rice knew about anti-Trump research, was posted on, as I said, April 29th, 2020, by a reporter named Chrissy Clark. And she says, on March 17th and 18th of 2020, Christopher Steele testified in a British court where he revealed that both 2016 Democratic presidential nominee Hillary Clinton and former National Security Advisor Susan Rice knew about his anti-Trump dossier research. So it seems to me uh, that uh, Christopher Steele might be trying to save his own skin by ratting on a couple of rats. Now, I don't know how to reach him, but that might be a a good idea to try to find him. He might be helpful in our um, efforts to expose the enemy. But I wonder why this little bit of spicy information hasn't really been broadcast widely in the United States. But do I really wonder why? No. Turn off your television. Listen to the Janice Daniels Show. Listen to Wham Talk 1600. Purchase a subscription to Blaze TV. Purchase product from the Wham Talk 1600 advertisers. They're all listed on the whamradio.com website. You've got to discern and dig deep to find the light and see the truth. And the truth shall set us free. God promised that to us. So now, I think this is all just more interesting stuff that's happening on the left side of the big media conglomerate, while the right side of the big media conglomerate is fomenting revolution in our states. Again, I call this the American Spring, kind of reminiscent of the Arab Spring. So, um, again, I was on the history.com website, and it defines the Arab Spring as a series of pro-democracy uprisings that enveloped several largely Muslim countries, including Tunisia, Morocco, Syria, Libya, Egypt, and Bahrain. Now, again, I don't call them pro-democracy uprisings. I would call them destabilizing revolutions that redistributed power to leaders who were acceptable to this new global media leadership structure that that has been made possible by the leader of these revolutions, which Alec Ross says is the Internet. So now back to Alec Ross a little bit. He said on his bio that he served as a distinguished senior fellow at Johns Hopkins University. Oh, my. Where have we heard that name before? Oh, yeah. Johns Hopkins University was one of the major players in event 201. And it makes me wonder what innovations Alec Ross brought to the authoritative messaging information distribution that Event 201 people said was needed to control the massive coordination and cooperation if a worldwide pandemic consumed the world. Now, that Event 201 was just two months before the actual worldwide pandemic hit us with a like a like a ton of bricks. Well, speaking of bricks, yeah, you know, I know they brought bricks to help the street thugs smash the windows of our businesses. But this uh, live pandemic exercise was brought to us supposedly by Wuhan, China. But uh, yeah, they were also represented at uh, represented at uh, event 201. China was represented there, yeah. Now, uh, during the Obama administration from 2009 to 2013, this man named Alec Ross served as the senior advisor for innovation to the then Secretary of State. That would be Ms. Hillary. And that was a role that was created for him to help modernize the practice of diplomacy and bring innovative solutions to advance America's foreign policy interests. That's right from his bio. And I, again, wonder how many innovative solutions Alec Ross brought to the Arab Spring of 2011 right in the middle of his tenure at the State Department. Can you see where all this is going? The guardians of the Constitution, that's you and me. We need to find ways to overload the Internet with liberty messaging. We need our liberty messaging to be increased. We need to defend the Constitution. We need to save our American Republic. We need to re-educate our children. You know, those millennials, they desperately need our help. They desperately need our help. I think it's important that you go back to uh, Glenn Beck's great series called The Democrats' Hydra, where he revealed that Alec Ross said in 2012, that they trained more than 800 civil society organizations through the State Department that Clinton started within the State Department at our expense. Now, I also heard Alec Ross say another time that they installed people into the State Department so deeply that the policies and plans of Hillary Clinton would live long after she's gone. So I call out to President Trump... Attorney General William Barr, and the current Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, to locate and hire every single person hiring Ms. Hillary's years as Secretary of State. Revolutionary times demand revolutionary solutions. And you know what? They shouldn't worry about the deep state players who will kick and scream for a few months because those people are going to kick and scream anyway as we're trying to restore our American republic or, as President Trump says, as we make America great again. So again, uh, Alec Ross said that the force and effect of all three of these paradigm shifts, that's technology, infrastructure, and mass media, that were taking place at once, created a moment of remarkably disruptive change. And for those of us, he said, who work in foreign policy, see the change change, that I argue is actually most significant, goes to the issue of power. So this is what Civil Society 2.0 is all about, giving power to the globalist media conglomerate that is shaping, basically, their version of the New World Order. We need a version of the New World Order called American republicanism, that is the model that we should use throughout the world.
0: The Janice Daniels Show, Janice Daniels Show, on Wham! Talk 1600 and 92.7 FM.
1: So now I've basically set the stage in the first half hour of the show for identifying the enemy that we face and the tools, some of the tools that they're using to subjugate the American people. Now you can go to anchor.fm Within the next 24 hours, this episode will be posted there. It's also posted on my Facebook page, Janice Daniels. And um, I believe that you really need to listen to that half hour, do the research that I'm asking you to do, listen to Glenn Beck's Democrats Hydra. It kind of puts it all together as to what we're facing. And be careful what you watch and be careful what you listen to because it's all a rich man's trick. But there are uh, are a couple of important issues. In fact, there's many, many important issues that we have to research and understand if we're going to defeat them. So in this half hour, I've invited Jay Taylor, the president of the Michigan Conservative Union, to come on air and discuss one of the many issues that need our discernment, discussion, and dismantling. This issue is called contact tracing. Jay, thank you for joining the Janice Daniels Show.
0: Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate uh, you having me on. You know, I enjoy your show so much. I'm honored to be here because... When I look at some of the guests you've had in the past, folks like Trevor Loudon, Professor Will Wagner, Senator Colbeck, Publius Hulda, Tom Trento. So I'm really, really honored to be here. Thanks so much. As you said, uh, well, Janice, thank you, I'm Jay, and, and I'm honored to have that
1: um, a wide range of contacts that I can reach out to to get their educated opinions. Uh, I, I find all of those people that you mentioned to be so important. Uh, Dave Ajima was one that you didn't message or, or didn't mention. I think Dave Ajima's is an important voice in Michigan here. Um, I'm also contemplating bringing Chris Ann Hall back on. I've interviewed her and in, I've interviewed her a past in the past a couple of times on various shows that I've hosted, but I haven't had her on the Janice Daniels show, and so I'd really like to do some um, bantering back and forth with her. She's another pretty um, interesting and intelligent uh, observer of what's going on here in America. But but Jay, I want you to tell us about what Michigan Conservative Union is and what they're doing to try to help to educate the American people.
0: Well, thank you, Janice. We're the oldest conservative political organization in Michigan. We're the champions, really, of individual liberty and constitutional rights since 1975. The organization was founded by Norman Hughes, who a lot of people in Michigan know. He served under the uh, President Reagan administration. And our focus is on education that leads to grassroots political action. And so we've got a website, a newsletter. We put out action alerts to about 14,000 contacts. And we also conduct an annual conference that was called Uh, Michigan CPAC, but unfortunately had to be canceled this April. So we're a Michigan nonprofit run 100% by volunteers and funded by donations and uh, memberships.
1: Now, I know your website is called michiganconservativeunion.org, and I believe that you have... Uh, snippets from what your alternative was to the actual in-person conference, Michigan CPAC, that we couldn't hold this um, this year. And I might add, I'm a board member of Michigan Conservative Union as well, so it's near and dear to my heart. As was Norm Hughes. God bless his soul, and may he rest in peace. And I pray that he's looking down on us and 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 saying. There you go. Good job, Janice. Good job, Jay. Good job, Linda, because we're trying to do the best we can to keep his organization alive and well. And I think that this new leadership team has done a really good job um, in deciding how best we could use the organizational platform to educate people on these various issues. There are so many things swirling around, and so it was kind of important that we took one issue at a time. And, and, and so the first issue that we're looking at is called contact tracing. Jay, what exactly is contact tracing?
0: Well, Janice, it's really nothing new. It's an established practice to identify and monitor individuals who may have had contact with an infectious person person. And the purpose is to control the spread of a communicable disease. So it's been around since the 1930s. And it's not that I'm concerned really about contact tracing per se. I'm concerned about the massive expansion, the cost, and the impact on our constitutional rights.
1: Well, I am worried about contact tracing and whether or not it's been on the so-called books uh, for since the 30s. Uh, our governments have been usurping their limitations on authority for even longer than that and it has accelerated in this uh, century to the point where um, they are taking these tools that they serendipitously gave to themselves by Mm -hmm. writing these laws that the people didn't really follow and don't really understand and then they go back and they pick and choose what they need to subjugate the people and I'm afraid Mm -hmm that these are just flat out usurpers of good government. And so that's why I'm so impressed with what Michigan Conservative Union is at least trying to do and has been doing, like you say, since 1975. Um, but here in Michigan, though, what are, what, what exactly is being done to try to rein in this um, usurpation of authority?
0: Well, actually not much. We've, contacted some of the Michigan legislature uh, members to help sponsor a bill to try to rein some of this stuff in. But so far, there are no takers. Uh, there may be a draft coming, but uh, at this point, there's not a whole lot coming. Like I said, my, my concern is around massive expansion, cost, and impact on our constitutional rights. Some people don't really understand what this involves. And, of course, the exact steps in contact tracing will vary by you know, state by state. But in its most basic form, you know, people doing the tracing receive a list of people who have been confirmed to have a disease, and then go about finding others who may have been exposed by them so that they can be tested, and that way they can spread, uh, stop the spread of the disease. So it sounds so good so far, but the problem in Michigan is that Governor Whitmer and her health director, Dr. Caldoun, they've not really told us what their plan is for testing, contact tracing, or surveillance, yet contracts were issued last month to set up the management oversight and technology they've already trained 3500 volunteers and the governor has said she's going to hire at least 1300 full time people to work on this likely many more after that so you know why hasn't whitmer published or discussed the training i'm very concerned based on the training that's been given to tracers in other states like california that's been circulating on the internet Uh, this is very very concerning issue
1: Yeah, it is very concerning uh, to me from the constitutional standpoint that I like to look at things from. uh, I don't see where governments were originally given the authority to busybody into our health and safety. Uh, Health and safety are best left to the individuals from my perspective. And governments are instituted to protect our rights to life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness, not Mm -hmm. to crush us with this boogeyman kind of scenario we have had diseases since the beginning of time <laughs> since the fall exactly. of man since adam and eve so like why all of a sudden in 2020 is this accelerated government mm-hmm. usurpation going on and i think i think it's because they have found that the people can be manipulated so willingly because they have the power of the new leadership Tool called the internet. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, we also saw. Now I know that uh,
1: they're 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 also going to use our mobile phones to track us, and that's exactly what it is: tracking us. Now, and and you know, you might say it's because we want to be alerted about possible exposure to COVID nineteen, but you know, COVID nineteen, that's one of many many diseases, and Mm -hmm. and and. they're going to give themselves the right to quarantine us? Is that part of the program?
0: Well, that's what we don't know. And you're exactly right. We don't know if the uh, mobile phones are going to be used or not. We do know that the University of Michigan um, Science uh, Health and Science Department has constructed a web-based application that, um, according to the Michigan.gov website, businesses will be uh, deciding whether they're going to use it or force their employees to use this website So people will have to put in daily information about their health, symptoms that they have, and the application will actually track uh, who you've been in contact with within your company. So if someone uh, comes down as being infected at some point, they can go back 14 days and see who you've been near and all that kind of thing so that they can reach out to those people. So it's very, very intrusive. There's actually eight things that I'm very, very concerned about.
1: I'm sorry, what did you say?
0: Uh, There are actually eight issues that I'm very concerned about. Could I take a minute to go over those briefly? Oh, please. So the first thing is that I'm concerned about the testing, tracing, and surveillance processes because they haven't been defined. I'm going to be much more comfortable once I know what they're going to do, how it's going to work, who's involved, that sort of thing. So we just don't know what's going to happen at this point. Second is around data, uh, data sharing. Now, as an executive in General Motors, uh, I've retired now, but I was formerly responsible for auditing all the information systems. And I can tell you that no system is really totally secure. And beyond that, the, uh, the massive sharing of data amongst so many other users, you know, they're talking about connecting hospitals, clinics, physicians, contact tracers, nursing homes, and so many others, actually having access in some states to your uh, personal medical records from your doctor. And are they going to put in the right controls? We don't even know uh, what they're planning to do, how they're going to protect it, whether or not they're g- going to even be able to tell if it's been hacked. So these are very serious questions around the data. And then third, I'm concerned about the potential for forced vaccinations. We see people like Alan Dershowitz at the national level saying in an interview that the federal government has the power to plunge a needle into your arm and that forced vaccinations are constitutional. I think that's bullcrap, but here's a, you know, a lawyer that's saying this kind of thing. Fourth, are we going to have forced testing? Am I going to be required to take a test if I don't want one? What kind of circumstances are, is that force going to come uh, to happen? Fifth, forced monitoring. What about these employees that don't want to submit personal information just to come to work every day? What about uh, requiring people to wear devices that monitor bodily functions like temperature and movements and things? What about the uh, the cell phone, like you were talking about, this, the mobile phone showing where you are and who you've been near? And then sixth having to demonstrate that your health is good before you can travel or enter into a building. We know in China they use uh, apps uh, heavily for this, and you're either red, green, or yellow. And so if you want to get on a bus, you want to go in a building, you want to take an airplane ride, guess what? You better show your your status as being green or you're just not going to get on there. We also know Bill Gates already wants everybody to have proof of vaccination or have some kind of implanted chip or marking to show that they've been vaccinated. And then seventh... Forced isolation or removing removal from the home. You know, is this coming? We've already seen in California where the, uh, I think it was uh, Ventura County, that the executive, county executive had to back off after he first said that people that aren't going to comply, uh, they're going to be forcibly removed from their home. He had to back off after was public uh, cry. But if you look at the training that the people in California are being given to do the tracing, it specifically says in there that, yes, you can force uh, somebody to be removed from their home. And then lastly, home visits. They're talking about mobility. Well, that means people in cars and trucks coming to your home. And my question there is, what else are they going to be doing while they're asking you medical questions and checking out if you have a, you know, um, uh, a bathroom set aside for this COVID victim that nobody else is going to be using? Are they going to be leading political literature? Are they going to be doing ballot harvesting? Are they going to be doing, you know, counseling around who to vote for? These are eight key things that I want to make sure uh, we address in some kind of legislation or you know, somehow uh, protect our privacy and all these kinds of issues.
1: Yeah, you know, um, that brings a good point up is whatever happened to privacy that uh, 10 years ago was supposed to be sacrosanct. I mean, we were all supposed to be uh, uh, so um, private and, and no one had the right to ask for our information. And now they are turning the entire concept on its head. And so I keep saying, I keep going back to, and you and I have had this discussion before, under what authority is any of this happening and why? and why would we think that that creating a particular piece of legislation that might have numbers one through eight in it <laughs> that we then say, oh, OK, well, now we're happy, happy. What makes us possibly think that even with our little inserted comments into this legislation, what makes us possibly think that they're going to stop trying to usurp their authority over this country? Now, you're,
0: you're right. And, you know, as we've seen with the uh, the Gretchen Whitmer shutdowns, uh, if we don't stand up for our rights, uh, they're just gone. So we do have protections <clears throat> in both the Michigan Constitution and in Article One, and also in the U.S. Constitution about our rights, you know, to assemble free speech, privacy, you know, security of our homes and papers and that sort of thing. But to prevent a problem, uh, that's always the best way to go about it. So uh, where we do have problems, we need to clearly pushed back like that barber in Owasso has done, and now he's been successful at the state Supreme Court. That's great. But there have been some uh, decisions already about, for example, use of cell phones by government entities. If they're going to try to geotrack people, that is, uh, track their movements, it's already a settled issue in the court. It may be illegal for a hospital or a university to purchase that kind of data from a cell phone provider for research purposes, But it's not lawful for the government to use that kind of data to track individuals without a warrant. Also, there was a a ruling, uh, Carpenter versus the United States, in the U.S. Supreme Court, that said that a government entity must have a warrant to use cell phone data to track somebody, you know, to geotrack them, uh, even when it comes from a third party. Again, the uh, the laws or the rights might be there, but we need to make sure we stand up when we see violations of it. And I think it would be very helpful to have some some guiding legislation in this.
1: That is true. I know, Jay, you must be equally as concerned as I am with the reaction of the American public to this um, manufactured scare. I don't know viruses. I know that we get sick every year with a flu virus. But all of a sudden, they were able to take this one particular strain of a virus and create a worldwide clampdown on people's Mm -hmm. rights. Uh, And and we see it in the people who are still driving around in their own individual cars with a mask (laughs) on their face. Yes. It's I mean, funny. I went to a gas station yesterday, and uh, the it says wear a mask. You must wear a mask. Well, I walked in this in the in the little store, and I said, I'm don't have a mask. I don't want to wear a mask. And he said, Well, go ahead. So he let me shop. Then another person that works at this at, at this little gas station store saw me, and she went and complained to the guy behind the uh, counter. And 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 that's the scenario that we're setting up. Is we've got people who are willing to snitch on or um castigate people who don't want to wear a mask and that's all part of this um this army that they're building these contact tracers these people legitimately think that they're doing a good service when in fact they are crushing their own liberties they are destroying the lives of their future generations and i am so concerned about the millennials and actually there's a there's a there's a um a generation that needs to be um reached more than even the millennials, and that is Gen X. Those, those are the mm-hmm. people that are between the baby boomers and the millennials. Those people need to be reached to be able to help them understand what we are about to lose in America if we don't stop this kind of usurpation on our rights. Um, does the Michigan Conservative Union have a, a good outreach mechanism for the next generation?
0: No, I, I would say that uh, that's an area that probably needs improvement. The people that have attended our conferences, the, the, a lot of the membership are people that have been steeped into, you know, uh, politics and you know, concerned about what's happening in America for some time. Uh, the youth uh, goes. I think that there's an opportunity here because the millennials are ones uh, with this particular type of virus don't seem to be impacted as much, and so we're getting. A lot of signals that they, they don't buy the whole nine yards about how anti- infectious this is and you know that if they do get it, uh, that there's going to have health consequences. And I think there are a lot of the ones that are just ignoring uh, Governor Whitmer and her, her uh, shutdowns and that kind of thing. I just drove by a beach a few minutes ago, and you wouldn't believe this has been like this for the last probably two weeks. Kids out there having a good time, you know they're not wearing masks and things like that. And so I think that they don't believe what they're seeing, and there is a real good opportunity for us to bring them into the movement uh, talking about those kinds of things. But to this point, uh, I think, like I said, it's an area that needs improvement.
1: Yeah, my brother is going around talking to people about this, um, what he is calling the Democrat-Communist overreach. And people seem to Uh, accept that and want to listen to him and 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 he's really giving them good information and i think that he's like one of the vanguards of doing what we the people need to do and that is rather than sitting uh self-quarantined in our homes get out on the streets and start talking to people one person at a time one website at a time one facebook post at a time like i said earlier or a million of those Posts and messages and um, outreaches to people that uh, we might be a little uncomfortable to begin with, but it is a very good idea that we get the people on board to understand that this truly is a government overreach. And quite frankly, we're up against a very powerful enemy called, what I say, the global media conglomerate that is actually, I think, running this country. Uh, You know, you and I have both tried to contact and work with legislators for a long time now, and we were of the... heady belief that back in 2009, the Tea Party was going to be able to work with these people and we were going to be able to take back our liberties because (laughs) the legislatures wanted to work with us. And we found out differently because the legislators seem more interested in keeping their cushy positions with their $6,000 a month salary than helping (laughs) we the people. And I'm talking about people who I I admire and I have supported. uh, And I don't know if I want to name names, but... I know you're working with some people that are we would think are on our side, and yet they aren't doing anything to stop this.
0: Well, yeah, I would say that there's things going on behind the scenes. But what happens, uh, for example, a draft bill that uh, uh, Michigan Conservative Union provided some bullet points for the contents of that bill. And, uh, you know, it has to go into a legislative analysis group, and they have to come up with the wording, and there's a lot of back and forth so there are some things going on. It's probably going to take some time. But my advice would be follow the money. When you look at all of the uh, corruption around money, let me let me just take a minute and let people know where the money is coming from this uh, for this contact tracing in Michigan. So Michigan and Detroit so far, they've been using existing health department funding uh, for the contact tracing. <clears throat> but then about six weeks ago, the Michigan legislature appropriated millions of dollars uh, for COVID-related spending, <clears throat> so uh, it may cover this, but it covers a lot of other areas as well. And then the Michigan Health and Human Services recently awarded three hundred and fifteen million dollars to Michigan for this, for for testing, contact tracing, and surveillance. Three hundred and fifteen million dollars. And then beyond that, I know in your show last week you mentioned the um, the bill at the federal level, the U.S. House of Representatives bill H.R. six 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 six. That provides $100 billion to the states for contact tracing. Now, it hasn't passed the Senate yet, and maybe it'll die if we're lucky. But, oh, my God, look at the money involved in all this. So when you talk about uh, (laughs) the uh, politicians being on board, they just love to have this money.
1: I know, and now you're saying also that our Michigan legislature also allocated money to uh, Governor Whitmer in her efforts to contact Trace, because I thought this was just money that came from the CDC from on
0: high. No, what I was referring to was, I was believe it was early March, the, uh, the Michigan legislature passed funding for COVID-related uh, expenses. Now, I didn't go through the bill. I'm not sure what's exactly in there. But as that uh, as the virus was spreading around the world and and coming into uh, the states and including Michigan, the legislature did set money aside for you know medical uh, kinds of costs. I don't remember what the number is. I think twenty five million comes to mind, but I could be wrong on that. So that was already available. A portion of which may have been used for contact tracing. I don't know. But since then, I've seen that the uh, city of Detroit health department, some of the county health departments, for example, St. Clair County and some of the counties up north have been using county resources for contact tracing. When you add it all up, um, you know, we're going to have at least $350 million probably around this. That's
1: got to stop. Jay, I want to thank you so much for joining me on the Janice Daniels Show. I want to encourage people to go to michiganconservativeunion.org where they can get all this information. And remember, spread the word. It's WAM. That's W-A-A-M out of Ann Arbor. And I'm Janice Daniels.